Well, hello there. So did you survive the Christmas, did you? Was Santi good to you? Was he? All that fuss and it's all over in a flash. So when you're hearing these lines, you know you've made it to the other side. Well done. And by way of celebration, I've got a very special episode of the Mario Rosenstock podcast lined up for you. Uh, Oh, thanks for asking. I had a lovely Christmas. Thanks very much. Very restful. And I'm still on a bit of a holiday before I go back to Today FM, although I am producing the podcast for you. And um, I had a bit of a weird one, actually, because just before I left for my um, holiday break, I did a little sketch uh, on the radio uh, called the Christmas COVID Handicap Hurdle. And I just thought it was a normal gift grub sketch. Little did I realise that it went viral all over the world. I have people telling me that there were 50 million people that have heard this sketch. I did interviews with BBC Radio 4, BBC Radio 5. Eamon Dunphy played it on his stand uh, podcast after doing a feature with Tomás Ryan on, on COVID. He then um, went, I've got this great sketch from the genius that is Mario. And he played this sketch and it's gone literally all over the world. Piers Morgan tweeted it out. Uh, the CNN doctor guy tweeted it out. NBA basketballers are tweeting it out. The New York Times tweeted it out. It's incredible how it's got everywhere around the world. And um, so I thought that my little Christmas present to you, if you haven't heard it already, is here. It is the Christmas COVID handicap hurdle. Enjoy. They're off in the Christmas COVID handicap hurdle. And first to show is Omicron Lad. Omicron Lad being closely followed by the booster. The booster, Omicron lad, in a bit of an early race here with each other, the booster and Omicron lad. Antigen test trying to get in there, antigen test, Omicron lad, the booster. Track and trace trying to get a look in, but he looks to be struggling early doors, I'm afraid, track and trace. Antigen test on the outside, here comes HEPA filters, HEPA filters uh, being followed by the booster, Omicron lad. Omicron lad, the booster. Omicron lad not giving an inch to the booster. HEPA filters. Here comes New Year's Eve. Absolutely cruising on the outside. Everybody talking about this one. New Year's Eve looking confident and assured. The booster. Omicron lad. HEPA filters. Track and trace is knackered. He's gone. New Year's Eve is coming fast. Sudden spike. Sudden spike appears out of nowhere. Sudden spike, the big danger. New Year's Eve, the booster plugging away gamely with Omicron lad. New Year's Eve, sudden spike. Here comes leave them kids alone. Leave them kids alone. (laughs) Sudden spike, New Year's Eve. And a late challenge from it's only a cold. It's only a cold. Sudden spike, leave them kids alone. The booster, fourth dose. Nobody saw this one coming. Fourth dose out of nowhere. It's only a cold. Fourth dose. It's only a cold. Leave them kids alone. Fourth dose. It's only a cold. Oh, I had no idea how they're going to sort this one out, to be honest with you. They all crossed the line together. New Year's Eve just crossing the line now. Absolutely spent. And there you go. Um... But this is, of course, a special podcast because it's my selection box of favourite clips from all the episodes from the year that was. My guests and I had some seriously good laughs and I'll be playing you some of the best of those moments soon. But we also got pretty deep at times. Some of my guests really opened up to me uh, about some of the things going on in their lives. I mean, all sorts of things. Dear and Gary worrying about the, the time, uh, the amount of time she was spending on social media, um, trying to do something about it um, with difficulty. Or Brezzy being approved for a mortgage to buy its first home, only for the bank to change his mind, its mind, uh, once COVID hit. We'll be hearing some of those moments uh, too. But before I press play on the first audio treat from this year's selection box, you might have been hearing about the Curry's January sale. Well, listen, 
There's a lot of talk about this Curry's January sale. It's a big one this year, folks. There's a lot of excitement about the great deals on your favourite kitchen appliances, TVs, and of course, consumer tech. So there are a few familiar faces wandering around Curry's stores, I believe, as we speak. Oh, forget about your fears and forget about your worries. They're coming in the cars and they're coming in the lorries. They're coming in, they're coming in, they're coming in the Curry's. curries. Christy? Oh, Miriam. Oh, oh she cutting? Fancy seeing you in Curry's. <laughs> I came up to get an old dishwasher. I know, the range of kitchen home appliances is amazing, Christy, genuinely. That's right, Currys are offering free delivery on large home appliances oh, and all. I know, it's incredible. This is a great model here, look yeah. at this one. Fair play, Christy, how are you? Ronan, Jesus, what Ronan. are Ronan! This is the only way I could track it down, Christy. Listen, I'm thinking of doing a version of Nancy Spain on my new album and... No, okay, that's the answer. Fair play, give us a chance. No matter how I wonder, I'm still... Abby Jesus in Bigora. Top of the morning to you, Makushlas. Michael Flatley, what are you doing here? Abby Gabs, for the new year, I've decided to count me steps so I have. <gasps> sure don't curries have a great range in garments and Fitbits to help keep a track of me all leppin'. How are you doing, lads? Daniel O'Donnell, shiver me shamrocks. Oh, lads, now look at this. This is the TV for me. Curries are the king of the large screen for the January sales, so they are. Well, I kind of had my eye on this one myself, Daniel. But this is a 60-inch, Miriam. Yeah, but... And I'm 60 now, so <laughs> I am. One inch for every year of me life. Sure, you wouldn't be interested in something like that, would you? Actually, no, I'm more of a 35-inch girl myself. <laughs> Oh, I told you once and I told you twice The curries, January sales, they're nice They won't be beaten, they'll never be beaten They'll never be, never be beaten on price Get up to the yard and get into curries And remember folks, curries will never be beaten on price, as Christy says So get yourself down to your nearest curry store this New Year's And bag yourself what can only be a great bargain by the way, thanks to Currys for all their support for the Mario Rosenstock podcast in the year 2021. And as we go into 2022, I look forward uh, to uh, a great synergy, a synergy between us and them in the new year. I like that word, synergy. And of course, thanks to you for listening. The podcast is nothing, of course, without you uh, wandering down the road aimlessly, turning your face into a pebble dash wall, um, trying to avoid a, a, a five-year-old uh, who you're who threatening to kill you with COVID. Um, only joking. Um, but wherever you are, doing your loops, uh, doing your walks, um, if I'm in your brain while you're in the gym, uh, I'm delighted to be here. I love being inside your brain. I am inside you right now. And you're enjoying this podcast. And I know you are. And thank you for listening, subscribing. But you can help me. You can rate me. You can write a little comment. You can send me uh, an email, mariorosenstock at gmail.com. It gets straight to me. It actually literally pings on my phone. So let's say your name is Teresa and you wanted to send me a, um, a message. Just It would actually go ping on my phone and it would go, Teresa, email. I can actually see it. It's amazing. Anyway, um, recommend the podcast to your family and friends. Uh, so let's get to the selection box. I have to say, no boasting, but it was a very difficult and tough pick to pick our favourite bits from this year uh, because there were so many brilliant moments and um, I say there were brilliant moments because I can feel a moment when it happens when I'm with a guest whether it's them telling whether it's them being authentic real um, something that you may not have heard them say before or maybe them just interacting with one of the comedy characters and you might see a kind of an angle out of them that you haven't seen before so I'm going to kick off with the two Johnnies now the two Johnnies are one of the most successful podcasters out there um, this was a huge year for the two Johnnies. They signed an exclusive deal with Spotify Podcasts, but they also sold out a night of their podcast in the O2. Now, that night had to be cancelled uh, because of COVID until next year. 
But by God, that was an incredible achievement. Now, the two Johnnies joined me in the podcast studio during one of the many lockdowns we've had to put up with over the last couple of years. And they had a really interesting perspective on the whole thing. And I thought, given that we're currently in another set of restrictions, it would be interesting to hear this bit of that episode again. In this last year and a half, you're... What age are you now, guys? Uh, I was 30 last week. 34. 34, right. Okay. Um, And you really reflect the experiences of, I suppose, young, rural... Irish men and women, even girls and boys, we could almost call them. Almost, uh, yeah. Yeah. And the last year and a half for them has been unlike my last year and a half because I'm 50 years of age and I'm settled and I have a family. You look very fresh. Thank you so yeah, much. You do. Settled and I have a family. But for these people who want to date mm. and these people who want to get out and are in the middle of that most important time in their lives where they may be about to meet somebody. Um, and this has been completely restricted. And I want to know, in the podcast, for example, mm. that you've been doing, how that is reflected in the messages you've got or the, 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 the things you've heard about. I mean, you're talking about all sorts of stuff, aren't you? Yeah. You're yeah. talking about people moving back in with their folks. Yeah. You're talking about people not being able to see their girlfriend or their boyfriend for months at a time. Yeah. You're talking about people who don't have a girlfriend or a boyfriend not really being able to date uh, um, Very tough. What has sprung up is the social distance date dilemma. Walking around town with a four euro takeaway coffee, pretending that this is something you're into. The amount of guys we know who would have spent every weekend in the pub, large bottles of cider, shite talk, yeah. tractor talk, and now they're going on walks. Actual farmers are going on walks and they're not inspecting cattle or animals or anything. They're just walking for the sake of walking. For enjoyment. And, it's jo- and, and fellas that we know, their lives have been changed by lockdown. They were on a course from here to there and they've been bushed off course. And it's, uh, yeah. I don't know how to say it. It's definitely changed people's trajectory. It's a, it's a weird time. And I think any, any content that we put out on the podcast is kind of reflective of what we're going through or what's going on with us. So... Us not being able to play GA when we're in lockdown. Us not being able to see our friends. And that's reflective of the people who listen. And we try and give our views on it. I mean, like, young people, and especially even younger than us, say you're, you're, you're 20 or something like that. You can't get these years back that you've missed out on. And I think young people have probably un- unfairly been, like, chastised for going out, for, for, for maybe having a few drinks, for, I'm not saying flouting lockdown rules, but, I mean, you know, last weekend, big, big deal made out of outside when they were all drinking on the streets and stuff in Dublin. And that is, like, it is kind of against the rules. But at the same time, the elderly are vaccinated now. We've been held back for so long. People can't get these years back. You know what I mean? Like, I'll put it this way. If I missed out on the last year of school, first year of college, which, like, I would say were the years where I kind of formed who I am now. If I was in a lockdown during those years, I don't know what I'd do. I'd probably be just playing computers full-time, playing PlayStation or stuff like that. That's I, I do. I think it's kind of eroding the youth culture. Like when I was 15, 16, 17, 18, I was really into like heavy metal and stuff. And I hung around with all those guys and we went to gigs and that's formed who I am for life. You know, the music you listen to as a 16 year old is kind of the music you're into for life. And I don't know how you're going to get that back. We were only saying that people were like being et for the college parties. But if you send 300 single 19 year olds down to university in Galway, don't be shocked that they're all riding and drinking and acting a maggot. Also, if you tell them that it's very unlikely that they're going to be sick yeah. or die from this thing, and then you tell them to get together outdoors. <laughs> I mean, so they're going, oh, hang on now a second there, you, sir. 
Are you saying to me that I'm 18 years of age? And, uh, although sorry for sounding 73, but <laughs> are you saying to me that I'm 18 years of age? Boy. Now, I'm not going to die, am I? No. No, boy. Okay, Dr. Doctor Smacks, am I going to die? No, boy. No. Okay, are you encouraging me to go outdoors? No. You are? Yeah, you are. <laughs> yeah, we are, yeah, we are. Sorry, okay. outdoor summer, yes. doctor. Yeah. Are you encouraging me to have a point outdoors? Yes. He's saying I'm seeing, I can see a few friends. Yes. And I won't die. Yes. Well, I'm off then. <laughs> you know, because that's what you're saying to people. But it, it's mixed messages. And, and as I said, I'm not going to blame any of those people. Like, I, I, I know when I was 18, if someone told me not to do something, I'd be fucking doing the opposite. Like, it's simple yeah. as that. And I can understand that. I hear that, yeah. And actually, that was leading on to mm. something else I wanted to say. But, but, but you've kind of answered it now. Was that about the Tony Holohan thing last week? I mean... I've written, you know, a sketch about it yeah. that's going out on the podcast yeah. uh, that went out in the podcast last week. And it was taking the piss out of Holohan driving around in his car. And, um, you know, you're kind of going, did you feel that like people your age were having the fingers wagged at them? Yeah. Were you being finger wagged by Tony Holohan? I, 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 do you know what? <laughs> I don't know, because like, I guess we're 30, but I, I really feel for, for those 20 year olds. And, and, and like, as you said, if I know I'm not good, like there's a tiny chance that I might get very ill. But other than that, like, you take the chance. It's it's life has to be for living. And and like the gas thing is, Michal Martin and and Leo Varadkar are saying we're really looking forward to having a pint. It's like some fella going like you know, it's like it's like going to bed with a woman, and and you're 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 just about to get going, and then she says ah actually not in the mood. And you're there then, like, just fucking... The big pint horn on you. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? That's what it is. You got the pint horn. You just want to be free. We're like calves waiting to be set free. And I think if a couple <laughs> calves. of... Yeah, calves. Yeah, new calves out in the field. They go buck wild when they get out there. Yeah. That's what we're like now. We're all at the fence. We're looking over the fence. A few people after breaking through on the far side. Leo's blocking a gap. Yeah, yeah. you know. He falls at the other gap. Tony Hoolin's out there, right? And all we want to do is break free. And I think unfairly, yeah, we have been finger whacked. Next up, it's my Today FM colleague, Pamela Joyce. Pamela is a terrific impressionist, as well as being a great broadcaster. And when she joined me for the chat, we put together a few sketches off the hoof. Off the cuff, on the hoof, on the hoof, on the hoof, off the cuff. Here we here, here's one of them. Do you know the program, the six o'clock show? I do. Yeah, Karen Coster and Martin mm-hmm. King. Yep. Um. Anyway, they usually have a cooking item on the show. They do. Guess who appeared the other day? It wasn't Nigella. It was. Stop. I swear to you. Ah, stop. It was. Oh, oh, welcome back to the six o'clock show at seven. Or is it the seven o'clock show at six? Or is it six o'clock show at seven plus one? I don't know anymore. Anyway, let's see what's going on in the kitchen on the six o'clock show. Uh, none of your scrubbers uh, today. None of this uh, low life uh, cooks. We have a real superstar in the kitchen. Oh, oh, we're joined by Nigella Lawson. Nigella, lovely to meet you. Oh, it's absolute pleasure to meet you, Martin. Oh, absolute pleasure is all mine. I can tell you that for nothing now, Nigella. So what are you going to do for us tonight, Nigella? Well, Martin, you see, I love meat. Right. I'm an unashamed meat eater. Are you? Yeah. Meat to me means the deepest of deep pleasures. I can tell that, yeah. And a sense of satisfaction. Right. If I go a week without meat, oh, I go a little bit gaga. Okay. In my hand here, I have a long shank of pork. I can see that. It's very long. Mm, I like the pork on the bone. Really, do you? 
and as close to the bone as possible. Mm-hmm. Because the juices are sweeter there. Yeah. And you can tell by licking them from your fingers how moist the juices from the hot, salty pork needs to be. Then I like to go at the pork with a rolling pin and just give the fleshy meat a good smack. Nice and hard at first so that it's good and ready to be consumed. Martin, you're quite all right. Martin, you look a bit bothered. (laughs) 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 And we'll hear more from Pamela a little later when broadcaster Pat Kenny meets rapper Cardi B and uh, their two worlds collide insanely. Another great impressionist that joined me on the podcast during the year is Connor Moore. What a great talent Connor Moore is, but also what a great success story it is. If you um, like a kind of a classic Irish success story, imagine coming from Mullingar, um, you're working in business um, and uh, you decide to give your impressions a bit of a go. Um, You get up in front of a few people. Uh, A year later, you're making a commercial with Tiger Woods, doing Tiger Woods' voice in front of him. Connor is well known for his impressions of golfer Tiger Woods. And here's the story of when Connor and Tiger first met. Yeah, all of a sudden I'm heading off. I'm heading into America and uh, I'm out in Orlando and I get a job at the Golf Channel. And then I end up doing the video for the Ryder Cup team. And someone from Bridgestone was watching the Golf Channel. I was doing an interview on the Golf Channel and he was like, oh, holy shit, this guy is getting taken very seriously here. So he said, uh, he reached out to my agent and I was down in Mullingar and uh my agent rang me and she says, uh, okay, we just got a request in like that Bridgestone uh, Golf want to do an ad. Oh, sorry. Just before I got a text from Bridgestone or a uh, Twitter and they said, hey, we have an opportunity. Would you like to talk to us? And I'm talking to my brother. I'm like, man, Bridgestone like want to do something with me. And he's like, yeah. And I was like, yeah. What do you think that is? I was like, I don't know, but I bet you I'll get a bunch of free golf balls off them. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I was thinking about was the golf balls. Yeah. So and lo and behold, we end up doing the ad with Tiger and then, uh, I remember the morning I was going there and I was pretty like nervous, but I was like, just play cool, play cool. I was walking in. When I walked in, then I'm kind of like, oh, well, Tiger, what's the crack? And I'm like, oh shit, I'm playing it too cool. <laughs> you know what I mean? yeah. And we ended up, I go into the room anyway and he asks my cousin, he says, um, my co- I brought my cousin and my brother because I was like, this is once in a lifetime stuff. If I can Absolutely. bring him, I'm bringing him. So Absolutely. we flew down to Atlanta and uh, we're in there and he says, uh, so how did Connor start? And my cousin is telling him about how I started doing the videos. And he's like, well, there was a fight, which is a true story. Because there was a fight in a GA match, uh, Tiger. Um, our club would be Mullingar Shamrocks, and we were playing against the Downs. And uh, there'd be no love lost, you know what I mean? And there was a bit of a fight anyway, and a fight, you know, blah, blah, blah. And Tiger's there. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. And Tiger got the rundown on the whole local Westmead GA scene. Everything that happened. And then I did the video off the back of this fight that, like, everyone loved. And that's what gave me the kind of the idea to go and do the impersonations. And then we went in, and uh, he said to me, he goes, do me. And I was like, and I was like, ah, oh. he's like, do me, you know, before we start. And I was like, all right. And I was like, oh man, uh, you know, I feel pretty good uh, this morning. You know, my back feels good. And, uh, but the conditions are really, really tough out there. And he kind of, he just looks at me and goes, fuck, dude, you sound just like me. <laughs> <laughs> he actually, actually, he also said to me, he said, um, man, you did a great video with, uh, like a girl or something. He actually watched the Jerlik Nan, Jerlik Nan in Ennis. He actually mentioned that video to me. He said, that was very funny. And uh, he also said to me, he goes, dude, you're Conor McGregor. 
And I was like, uh, he was like, do McGregor. I was like, listen, Tiger, I'll slap the face off you. Keep it up. You know what I'm saying? I'll come into the golf game. I'll take the whole fucking thing over, brother. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> he was like, damn, that, that dude is tough. But actually, how this actually, I did a video of Tiger last year. This kind of relates to you. He laughed in the ad, actually. The ad was supposed to be him playing it straight. And when I got to Atlanta and I met the Bridgestone people and I met everybody, I'm sitting at the table and the guy's like, so Tiger, you're going to do the impersonation. Tiger's going to play it really just straight and be like, oh yeah, well, uh, you know, play this ball. And he just walks off. And I was this the night before and I'm sitting there and I'm going, I thought Tiger was going to laugh in this. And everyone's like, no, 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 no. And the head of Bridgestone's across the table from me. And I don't know how I had, I, I don't know like what came over me to have the ball to say it. Cause like I nearly should have, like know my place, but I was like, I really think Tiger should laugh here. I think it'll look good for everybody. Now, I didn't really give a shit how it looked for Tiger. I just wanted to make sure it looked good for me. Yeah. But I was like, if he doesn't laugh, you know what I mean? People might be like, uh, whatever. So we do the ad and the ad gets cut up and chopped. And the head of uh, Bridgestone, Dan Murphy, who's like one of the best guys I've ever met, he rings me up and he's like a bit devastated. He's like, yeah, the ad isn't, it's not great. Tiger's people, they don't know, whatever. And I'm like, Dan, I'm telling you, he needs to laugh. And he goes, I said, there's a lot of offcuts of him laughing. Yeah. Because at the start, he couldn't hold, uh, he couldn't contain himself every time I went, oh, yeah, dude, you know, I yeah. play the Bridgestone ball too. And he kept laughing. So we had to go again and go again. But these yeah. were all recorded. So I'm like, there's enough laughs there. So they ended up chopping. Dan actually said it. He goes, yeah, we thought about that. So he, he takes the, the laugh at the end and it made the entire ad. So it's 25 seconds of talking crap. Oh. And then he laughs and the whole golf world loved it. But what's funny about his laugh is me and my brother uh, that evening, we were like laughing at his laugh because yeah. he would laugh like, and i did a i did a for the masters last year i did a little video i did him sitting at this table and i was talking about the masters and i was like you know and francesco went in the water i was like and there must have been three or four comments going you bastard you stole mario rosenstock's radio roy laugh so all the greatest sportsmen have that laugh oh brilliant brilliant And be sure to check out that full episode for more great stories and impressions from Connor. You should do a deep dive, actually, on some of the episodes. I mean, people like Ronan O'Gara, uh, Pamela Joyce, as I said, Michael Fry, another one, Dermot Whelan um, was another memorable one, Mark O'Halloran, the uh, filmmaker, um, who's like so successful at what he does, but wasn't able to, you know, get the bank to give him a mortgage just to buy a simple house. But who else? Deren Garrahy. Deren Garrahy is uh, one of Ireland's um, most popular influencers. But she's also a brilliant impressionist. And she's also got her own um, uh, breakfast show on 2FM. And she's built a very successful career on social media as well as everything else. Which is why I was so intrigued by our answer to one of my first questions. Okay. Uh, so I asked you <laughs> to bring something to the table, Deren. In other words, get something off your chest. Yes. Uh, offload something. That's something that maybe has been bugging you or on your mind or something that something that's, that kind of takes up a bit of your thinking time these days. And what is it that you've done? Social media. Right. But what aspect of social media? The that's aspect of one. social media I want to talk about and get off my chest is how I used to feel way more free with it. I could upload something or say something and people give you the benefit, used to give you the benefit of the doubt. Now it's just like people are looking to take things out of context, looking to trip you up, no matter what you say. Like literally, if I were to go on my stories and say, I'm going to nip into pennies for a bit, I could get 15 messages saying you shouldn't be promoting pennies, they're not sustainable and it's not, it's fast fashion. You know, you can't do anything. You can't. Even like I went, yeah. I cycled the other day and I did a little Insta story. I was going around my estate. 
30 messages. And I know I should have been wearing my helmet, but I wasn't. You right? got pulled up on that. 30 messages. <clears throat> why aren't you wearing your helmet? Why are you doing an in story without a helmet on? So those messages, are they like, why aren't you wearing your helmet? They, there's they, that and there's also Darren come on and like some people will be saying to me like ah Darren you shouldn't do an Insta story without a helmet people are going to you know you, you have influence or whatever it might be and it just can get very exhausting because you second guess every single thing and I used to just lash stuff up for the crack like nights out or if I saw something funny on Grafton Street I'd like sing a little song and put up a story and now it's just like oh I have to think about everything and I suppose COVID has kind of driven that on as well people have less to be doing so they, they notice things more and I just, I like, and Twitter as well. Like, you can't so much as tweet anything without someone taking some angle. Or, like, you can't complain about anything unless it's, like, you know, you, it's a debt. It's a family debt. Or, you know, like, nothing is relative anymore. It's all, like, it has to be an outrageous thing that you're allowed to be outraged about. What about combining nothing. them both? That would be maybe helpful. What about cycling down with no helmet and then tagging it with my aunt died today. How about that? I mean, because then I, nobody's yeah. going to get at you. They're they're not going to go. They're not going to go. Would you ever put on the helmet? Because then you can go. Fuck you. You didn't sympathise with me for my aunt dying. <laughs> no, they'd actually no. They'd probably go. What's your aunt of? Not wearing a helmet. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like uh, what does she know? Not wearing a helmet as well. <laughs> it obviously runs in your family. It's infectious. You've got the non-helmet wearing disease. <laughs> and it's contra- It's What is it? Contagious? Contagious. Contagious. No wonder they all died. Yeah, well, it's true. It runs in my family. No, do my you uncle what? Norbert died of not wearing a helmet in the Second World War. His head was blown off by um, a German shell. And it would have been saved because his friend Mikey was saved because he was wearing a helmet. But Norbert's head was blown off. No helmet. Then in 1963, my father was a unicyclist. Fell off. Liffy, Liffy Key fell off. No helmet. No helmet. And now me. <laughs> no, do you know what it is? I, like, I think everyone should be... If you do something really stupid that affects a lot of people, yes, you should be held accountable. But when you're doing day-to-day things that like, yes, I'm, I was an idiot to not wear my helmet while I was cycling around my estate. But like, come on. Like, do you know what I mean? Mm. I just think there's, not, there's no room anymore for little mistakes. It's either people are fully outraged or they say nothing. Yeah. Oh, no, I get that. I'm just thinking about it. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking how it, what you're describing is a situation where we're all painted into a corner. And in fact, we're all painting ourselves into a corner by self-censoring ourselves. Totally. Totally. And I think like the likes of, I, I think comedy is probably going to suffer a lot because of that as well. As I say, I think people should definitely be held accountable for, for stuff they do or say that isn't acceptable. But say, for example, like I, I think Joanne McNally is so brilliant. Mm, yeah, so do I. And I find on Instagram, like, so, like she has to apologise loads because she'll say something that's like outrageously funny. Like Kylie Jenner or Kendall Jenner shared a photo recently. It was like a lingerie shoot she did. And her body was so obviously photoshopped. Like, you, like it was just perfect. She like, it was like a Barbie. And Joanne put it up on her uh, Instagram and was like, oh, great. Now we're photoshopping our vaginas out of photos. This is because you like it was not it was like literally Barbie. Right. And then and everyone like and her point was people like Kendall Jenner are making normal real women feel shit about their bodies. But then the flip side was then people were attacking Joanne because she was commenting on a woman's body. So she's just as bad. Yes. And like let Kendall had do whatever she wants to her photos. If it may, It's exhausting. You yeah. can't win. Yeah. Like you just uh, sometimes I'm like, if I didn't need Twitter for work, I would definitely come off Twitter at least. 
and then Instagram I just I wouldn't do as much I don't think Just as a matter of interest uh, Darren how, how many hours a day now be honest about it yes. I'm not taking the piss now I'll be funny, fully honest How many hours a day because we can do this on our phone we can look back yeah. how many hours a day would you spend engaged Eight on, to nine hours Would you? Yeah Eight to nine hours. So because of the breakfast show, like by 9am, yeah. I've done at least three hours anyway. Yeah. So I kind of excuse myself. Like it is, I do need it yeah, full I time for that. I got it. But then throughout the day, yeah, I'm, I'm bad, Mario. I'm not going to mm. lie about it. I need to sort it out because it actually it messes with my head as well. Like I find sometimes I'll, I'll go to pick up t- my phone to check an email. But when I pick it up, there's five notifications for other apps. I check them. I scroll them. I do them. And then I put down my phone half an hour later. I'm like, why did I put it? And I haven't even checked the email. Have you seen The Social Dilemma? Uh, yes, I, I saw it. Yeah. That's kind of exactly... <laughs> you are The Social Dilemma. I don't know how to right, tell so, you this. So basically, there's these, so basically they, obviously, The Social Dilemma basically concerns this idea that these geniuses behind these companies, yeah. Snapchat and all this, design their notifications. To get you hooked. Like in a casino. Yeah. So the noises and the look of things, the colours they use are designed to stimulate your um, kind of the endorphin side of your brain. Yeah. Not only to get likes and to feel that uh, like, 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 like. And to get you to buy stuff. But also stimulate your brain. They, they, they use vibrant colours and funny noises that click all the time around you. And yeah. keep you And keep you alert. Yeah. So a bit like pumping the air into the casinos in Las Vegas yeah. where they pump in the oxygen. Keep so you awake. feel completely alive all the time. Yeah. Um, and, and that's what they're doing yeah but it, but it is funny have you ever come off it? Uh, I deleted uh, the, the Instagram app for a weekend so from like <laughs> Friday morning <laughs> to Monday morning about three months ago Worst weekend <laughs> ever <laughs> I had no validation No No it was actually great it was mm. really good yeah it's good but I still like went By the way you're great on. you're great You are great no, you're great. I'm giving you some validation. You haven't had it from the phone for a minute. You're great, Darren. Brilliant. Brilliant, Darren. Great sketch. Very funny. Lol. Happy days. You're amazing. Love the hair. You're not fat. You used to be 12 stone. You're beautiful. You're amazing. Your Maura Duran is incredible. Oh my God. You're Pippa. You're such an incredible impressionist. Have I given you enough validation? No. Oh no. <laughs> Just pick up my phone. Brrr. It's amazing. Yeah, it's amazing the way we go yeah. for our phone, isn't it? Just to. Yeah, I'm hooked. I'm fully hooked. Yeah, yeah. I need to sort it out. Or do uh, I need sorry, to sort how did you? How did you. Well, how, how did you feel after the weekend? Yeah, oh, lighter, better, more relaxed, more present. Mm. Um, but I just, it's so much part of my you life. You laughed at that. You sort of mocked yourself for saying that. More present. Yeah. Why did you? Because they're is all it, the things you hear. Yeah. It's all like, put your phone away. Mm. Do a little mindfulness. Mm. Do a little meditation. Mm. And it's like, oh. And do you do any of that? I, I've, I've tried to get into it. Do you know who actually has changed my mind about it big time? Dermot Whelan. Yeah. Because I almost feel like, in my mind, it was like, oh, but if you do all that stuff, you just you lose all the crack. Yeah, correct. We had Dermot on a couple of weeks ago and uh, it was exactly about that. And yeah. I re- I was talking to Patrick about that as well. And it's true. He has built that into his life, but not lost his sense of humour. Totally. He's probably better. Yeah, but I've, I always thought if you if you go down that route, you're just going to turn into a, a tool. Drip. A drip, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> a tool going total opportunity for a joke here yeah but I'd prefer to look into the present middle distance but we had a total punchline available but I prefer just to think about my present wouldn't it be great actually I was going to say to you there wouldn't it be great for somebody to invent a social media platform yeah. where you're not allowed to criticise somebody oh let's you're do actually, it you're actually banned from the platform yeah. you can only say nice things let's do if, it if, in other words the idea of if you don't have anything good to say you can't say it yeah 
You know, like your mother said. Totally. Not your mother, but no, no, mothers nice around the world went, you know, they don't have anything nice to say. Don't say it. Nothing at all. My mother grew up in the coom, but anyway. Treat others the way you want to be treated. That's it. Both our mothers grew up in the coom. <laughs> no, it's unbelievable. Were they neighbours? <laughs> How did we get such middle class accents? That's what I want to know. We're total fakes. We're great impressionists. That's what happened. <laughs> Next up, it was time to hear from Al Foran, another terrific impressionist. Stephen Donnelly is Minister for Health. Mm -hmm. Stephen Donnelly is on the line and he has a question for... Joe Pesci. Okay. Okay. Stephen Donnelly, come in. Thank you. So to appropriately enhance collaborative best-of-breed data applications within a homogenous bandwidth, can I ask Joe Pesci, how much does Mr. Pesci see uh, a fixed interface for the HSE as being a possibility? What the fuck are you talking about? What the fuck is wrong? What are you talking about? What the fuck is wrong with you? Nothing. Uh, what, what, what? Nothing, nothing, nothing. You're, you're a fucking robot. Nobody can understand what you're fucking saying. Why don't you simplify it for the public, you fucking egghead? I tell you, I'm going to smash your fucking head off this table and turn you into a fucking omelet. You hear me? Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> I tell you, they say he has fucking brains up there. It's fucking yolks. That's what it is. Sorry, I just want, I just wanted to know, can you help the HSE? I'll do my fucking best. I'll do it. Yeah, yeah, fucking, yeah. There we go. <laughs> okay, thank you, Stephen uh, Donnelly. Give it a little whisk. <laughs> okay, thank you, Joe Pesci and Stephen Donnelly. Daniel O'Donnell is on the line, um, Al. Daniel O'Donnell has a question for you. Hello there, Al. Great to talk to you. Um, I have a question for Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy, I believe you're a big fan of Irish TV. I love Fair City. Is there any programs you especially like watching on R- RTE, uh, Eddie? Man, let me tell you, I'm a big fan of yours, man. I, I, just, I just love your music, man. It's great. It soothes me, man. So I just want to say that, first of all. Man, I love, I love that nationwide, man. You get to 7 o'clock, you, get, you hear that music. And, man, I, I, just, I just click my fingers at that, man. I feel like getting a little drumpy. It's just amazing, man. Is there any Isn't other it? programs in RTE that you like? Oh, man, there's, there's, there's so many, man. Well, of course, everybody's going to say Reeling the Years. Oh, yeah, it's popular like Reeling the Years, man. But you got to look back in the past, man, and it's amazing. Man, some of the music is great. <laughs> That's fantastic. Thank you very much, Daniel O'Donnell, for your question. Al, your, your characters, they're, they're doing amazing work here. We have another question from Nevin Maguire. Nevin okay. Maguire, the famous chef. Nevin mm-hmm. Maguire, come in. Oh, Mario, thanks so much for having me. Great, great to talk to you. Can I ask Gordon Ramsay? Gordon Ramsay, is Gordon Ramsay there? Gordon, have you any, any tips for any upcoming chefs there, Gordon? Oh, fucking hell, Gordon. Just do it. Just get on with it. Go into the kitchen, right? Get screamed at all day, yeah. okay? And make sure that everything is perfect. Nothing is raw, okay? Yeah. Because if it's raw, you're fucked. Yeah. What are you doing in this business? Okay, so... Wow, the mic is fucking broken. So, so you're telling me I go into the kitchen and I tell everybody to fuck themselves? Yes, 100%. And they'll learn, okay? Wow, brilliant. That's a fantastic answer. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Al Foran is a very, very talented man and we hope to hear more from him in 2022. So now it's time to hear a master storyteller at work. Peter Sheridan is an author, playwright and director, brother of director Jim Sheridan. Um, And boy, has he lived a life. This episode featured story after story, including one about the time he travelled across America on a road trip with actor Sean Penn. Yeah, that's right. Peter Sheridan and Sean Penn in a car, an open top car together across America. But the story you're about to hear is about his friendship with an L.A. drug dealer called Cuban Mike and how this relationship led to a pretty serious cocaine habit. You were a functional alcoholic and you left it, you know, you did a bit of damage family wise and everything. 
Um, but listen, not to be um, facetious or facile about the thing, you added um, you 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 added mis- you know uh, you, you threw the frying pan into the fire as well by adding cocaine onto the into the into mm. the into the mix. Yeah. And of course, this is perfect for an Irishman, of course, because cocaine has the effect of being able to sober you up so that you can drink more. This is true. <laughs> this is true. And so you're there. Oh, I'm not a bit pissed. I get a bit of cocaine and then it's, I'm sober as a judge. I can do more drink. I got my cocaine habit in L.A. actually doing a play. It wasn't a film. Today. Was it in the 80s? It was in the 80s. Yeah, yeah it was in the mid 80s. I was working with Colomini. Oh, great. The great Colomini. And there's then wife, Barbara, who's since passed away. Uh, we were doing a piece on the hunger strikes, which I'd written um, in a theatre in L.A. But he was playing the lead and she was playing his girlfriend. And I was in a hotel uh, on 7th Avenue in, in L.A., Mexican, mainly Mexican, uh, uh, Guatemalan, El Salvadorian workers, all those kind of guys. And the lead guy of all of this troop of immigrants was a Cuban guy who was known as Cuban Mike, and he was the local cocaine dealer. And I drank in the local pub. It was called Monty's of all things, like Monto Monty's. And I drank in this pub and uh, I was a pretty good pool player. I always have been a good snooker and pool player and could really hold my own with these guys. You had real clout when you could hold your own at pool with all of these guys. And Cuban Mike was very impressed that I could beat some of the top guys in the bar at the pool. I became his friend very quickly and he loved horse racing. And he used to go to Santa Anita all the time. And I always remember, it was the time of the, che- the Cheltenham Gold Cup. And I told him that a horse called Don oh, Rome. 1985 or 6. six. Don Rome would win the Gold Cup. The mayor's going to get up. And he got, a, he got a bet on it. And he won some money. And he gave me a horse in return, which also won. And when that horse won, I bought him a bottle of brandy in the local off-license and put it behind a bar for him, which you could do in L.A. And he said, Pete, in all my years, nobody's ever bought me a bottle of brandy before. You're my brother. You're my brother. And I had free Coke for life. Right. <laughs> I had a supply of Coke that was so outrageous. Never had to put my hand in my pocket. Scarface levels. Oh, for God's sake. It was just like within three or four weeks, I was in big trouble. You were a Dublin Al Pacino. Say hello to my little friend. <laughs> now, let me introduce you to my brother, Cuban fucking Mike. Now, shut the fuck up, Mike. Let me take another bit of Coke. <laughs> Call him me and he shut the fuck up. <laughs> Get your neck out of the brandy. Okay. They made me the general of the bar yeah. on Paddy's Day, 17th of the March. general? I was the general. I was in charge of the bar. Okay. And the only thing I had to do was I had to sing a song in Irish. Yes. What they wanted to hear my native language. Yes. They put me up on the counter and they made me sing. So I'm looking down at a sea of all Guatemalans, Cubans, El Salvadorians. And what are you singing? Bajin, me, Dimmi, And all the tears running down their faces. <laughs> they t- <laughs> at this Irishman <laughs> singing in his native tongue. And Cuban Mike, Cuban Mike says, so Pete, What's the fucking problem over there in your country? I said, Mike, the problem is 
The British came over and they took our country over. What do you mean they came over? In what way? How did they come over? They said in boats. He said, in fucking boats? He said, I thought your country was stuck onto them. I thought they came across your border. <laughs> yeah. Like the border we got down south. I said, no, 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 we don't have a border with the Britain. Sea. Oh, for fuck's sake. That's as much as they knew about Ireland, you know? Yep. And uh, so Q and Mike was my was my local coke dealer. And uh, I came home to Ireland with a very nice habit of cocaine. That was I Ireland deal doing with. it at the time? Very small amount. Yeah, so it, this was, it, this would have been, yeah. you know, the level I was at was like a level nobody else was at. Mm. And I just, I knew I had to do something about it. I, like, I knew. I stopped. Do you know so then I you did? introduced large amounts of, so you started doing, then you started running tons of cocaine into Ireland then. <laughs> Do you know what I did, <laughs> which is actually true? What? As, as, a, as a, a, a way of trying to deflect myself from my problems. Yeah. I knew I had a problem with the coke. Yeah. And I definitely knew I had a problem with alcohol. And I definitely knew I had a problem with cigarette smoking. Because mm-hmm. I smoked like a fucking chimney. Yeah. So I looked at the three of them and I thought, I might get away with giving up the cigarettes here. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what I did. I gave up smoking cigarettes right. when I got back to Dublin. Okay. And I said to Sheila after a week at home, have you not noticed something? She said, what? I said, I'm not smoking. Mm. Oh, she said, Jesus, I'd forgotten because of course she didn't smoke. Mm. But you've had she loads said- of energy. <laughs> 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 and you can drink like a horse for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> and please make sure to jump back and listen to Peter Sheridan's full episode. It's for storytelling purposes. I think it was one of the highlights of the series so far. Um, And it's one of my favourite pieces so far as well. And so to finish up this episode, the last audio treat in my selection box, um, if you will. Let's go back to the episode with Pamela Joyce and another one of the sketches we did together. In this one, broadcaster Pat Kenny meets rapper Cardi B to try to figure out what her lyrics are all about anyway. This is News Talk. Welcome back to the show. A huge reaction to the Luke O'Neill COVID numbers and we're delighted to say that we'll have Paul Reed in studio tomorrow morning. Now, it's time for our uh, section on the meaning of lyrics, our weekly item. Cardi B is a famous rapper from the United States hailing from the Bronx, would you believe? And she's made quite a name for herself recently uh, with such hits as I can't Uh, uh, say them off the top of my head now, but why not go to the lady in question herself? She joins me now from the Bronx. It's Cardi B. Hello, Cardi. Oh, Pat, it's so good to talk to you. I've been talking about you and listening to you for years. You know, I'm a big fan over here in the Bronx. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Lovely, lovely to make your acquaintance, Cardi, or if I may call you Miss B or Cardi B. Um, My full name is Belkalisa Mansar. Okay, I'll call you Cardi. Um, Wonderful to talk to you. And of course, your lyrics have been hugely controversial. You know, you know, Pat, um, I'm all about female empowerment, <laughs> and, you know, telling the truth, speaking your truth and being honest. OK, uh, and wonderful. And of course, truth and honesty are huge parts of the recorded music industry. And of course, the Electric Like Orchestra was one of my favorite bands and as were Gorillas. But anyway, um, I have your lyrics here in front of me, uh, Cardi, Miss mm-hmm. B. Mm-hmm. And if I may just 
see what the lyrics mean, if you could possibly tell me. I would love that. I have your song here called WAP, or WAP, is it WAP or WAP? It's a WAP. W-A-P? Mm-hmm. Is it, do you say W-A-P? Do you, do you know what it stands for? No, I don't. So, Pat, basically it stands for wet-ass pussy. Um, because like I said, it's reclaiming our sexuality, reclaiming women empowerment and talking about the pussy all day, every day. Mm. And, um, especially when it's wet, it's better when it's wet. So I said wet ass pussy and you talk about it and you sexualize, you know, the men this time. Okay. Mm -hmm. I take it. We're not talking about cats here. So I actually heard through the grapevine that you like a wet ass pussy. So I thought this song is the yeah. perfect thing yeah. to talk yeah. about. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Uh, well, I have the lyrics in front of me mm-hmm. to WAP, and okay. I would like you to uh, make head nor tails of them if you could. Head. Uh, the lyrics go thus: Whores in this house. There's some whores in this house. There's some whores in this house. There's some whores in this house. Hold up. I take it this means that there are prostitutes in the um, establishment. Yeah, so when you... Um, <laughs> it's kind of saying, like, you know, we're, you know, we're slutty. We like to get dick. We like slutty. to do it every day. And we're not going to hide from it, you know? Because you, if you reclaim the word whore, you could be a whore. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Uh, it continues. It says, I said certified freak. Seven days a week, wet ass pussy, make that pullout game weak, woo, ah. Explain, please. So, you know, like, w- making the pullout game weak is when you don't wear protection and you just, like, yank it out. Pullout, as in coitus the- interruptus? Yes, exactly, you got it. So just Maximus. before you're about to bust a nut, you pull it out. Bust a nut? Yeah, okay. and then you're, you're not going to have any problems. Yeah, 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 you fucking with some wet-ass pussy. Bring a bucket, bring a bucket, and mop for this wet-ass pussy. Give me, give me everything you got for this wet-ass pussy. <laughs> <laughs> and we're now joined by Paul Harrington, who's going to do his version of wet-ass pussy. Oh, Pat, how are you, Pat? There's some whores in this house. Some whores in this house. There's some whores in this house. I said, certified freak. Seven days a week. Wet ass pussy. Make that pullout game weaker and weaker. That was incredible. I can never listen to that song the same ever again. Oh, man. That was brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And there are another few sketches to enjoy in the full episode of Pamela Joyce. Um, <laughs> I really enjoyed um, myself and Pamela the day we had together from just a few weeks ago. So make sure to check those out. Listen, that's it from the selection box. That's it from the last episode of the Mario Rosenstock podcast for 2021. I really am looking forward to 2022. We've got some great plans for the podcast. Um, I don't want to say anything just yet because they aren't fully hatched, but I'll let you know when they are. And, um, you know, we're quite quite ambitious for this podcast and uh, we're delighted to have you listening. Uh, Please keep us encouraged. Give us um, an email. uh, Text us. Um, I'm on Twitter, at GiftGrubMario. And, uh, you know, subscribe and follow us. Um, That's it. Uh, I hope you enjoyed listening. Thanks to you, of course. Thanks to Curry's um, for their great support during the year. Um, we certainly enjoyed putting the whole thing together. Thanks for listening. Thanks, everybody. See you soon. Have a great new year. 
See you in 2022.